it's halfway through the year. How are you getting on with your reading? Oh, well, let me just consult my book records reading journal. I I think it's going pretty well. I seem to be blitzing through the book bingo challenge. Um, obviously, I haven't ticked the classic box, which I think is what I'm going to have to aim to do. <laughs> um, how are you getting on with the alphabet challenge? Loads of the books I've been reading start with the letter T. So I think I really need to find some books which start with other letters of the alphabet. It's making me pick this up. I'm just reading through some of my favourite quotes that I've made a note of on the review pages. And I do love them. Yeah, that's my favourite page to come back to. And from the flowchart, the books that are looking most likely to be my favourite of the year are We All Want Impossible Things and Romantic Comedy. But we're only halfway through the year, so it's still all to play for. And if you need a bit of encouragement to read more or just to read different types of books, then the Book Records Reading Journal is perfect for you because it's undated, which means you can start it whenever. It doesn't matter that it's not January. Halfway through the year is a perfect opportunity. Get yours at www.bookrecos.com forward slash shop. We're the Power Behind Book Records. This is the podcast where we chat things, books, and just about everything in between. Today, we are joined by an author celebrating his 25th year in publishing. It is the wonderful Mike Gale. We absolutely adore Mike's book, from all the lonely people to half a world away. And today, we're talking to him about his latest read, A Song of Me and You, which publishes on the 6th of July. Welcome to the Book Records podcast. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you today, not only because we love your books, but because you're the first man that we've ever interviewed on our podcast. Oh, I, I feel very honoured uh, yeah. by that. And first of all, thank you very much for having me on. And <laughs> secondly, I, I feel very, very honoured. Um, that's that. What not does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it only says good things. We reserve yeah. this oh, spot for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, Mike, we'd love to talk to you about a few of your books and just your writing career more generally today as well. But let's start with A Song of Me and You. Can you please share with our listeners what it's all about? Okay, Uh, A Song of Me and You is about um, Helen, who who is having, uh, she's a a kind of middle-aged, so she's kind of in her 40s and she's she's a teacher, uh, part-time teacher, and she is having quite possibly the worst day of her life uh her husband having left her a couple of months earlier uh is now uh taking the kids on holiday with his new girlfriend who is considerably younger than him and uh so helen is absolutely devastated by this and um just standing there she's standing there um watching them kind of go and returning to an empty house she feels like you know she feels completely worthless and um a little time goes by she's trying to sort out the house trying to keep herself busy when there's a knock at the door and uh, she answers it to see somebody that she hasn't seen since she was 18 and it's her ex-boyfriend 
who in the intervening years has become a world famous rock star. Um, and he, I suppose that the book really is about why is he there? What's he come for? Yeah. And what can Helen and how is he, him being there going to make a difference to kind of Helen's life? And it's, it's, uh, hopefully it's funny. Uh, it should be hopefully moving. Um, I, I absolutely loved writing it. It, it was an absolute delight to yeah. write in, um, you know, Helen as a character and to write about Ben as well, who's um, the other main lead. And so I, I just, it was just a joy from start to finish. It was a joy for us as well. Yeah. It was oh, definitely funny much. and moving that come through. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> yeah um, and <laughs> me and Lauren are very much ones for reading a book because we like the author and like not even reading the blurb. Uh, we do that yeah. pretty much with everything. We were like, yeah, definitely going to read this. So I was really excited when I discovered that one of the protagonists, Ben, um, is a famous musician because I love a bit of celeb drama, even if it's fictional. Um, <laughs> and so I wondered what inspired you to include a character like Ben? Was it musician first and then you wrote yeah. the story or was it story first and you thought hey wouldn't it be fun if one of the characters was famous I think it, to, to be honest it actually started with Helen um it, it started with somebody I, I like that I really love the idea of somebody having their kind of worst day yeah and I love the idea of her you know it, it you know I, I suppose it, it was about you know being I suppose in lots of different ways it's about rejection and she feels really rejected on all kinds of levels and then to kind of have this famous person arrive on her doorstep it, it just felt like a, a real kind of bringing together of worlds you've got you know Helen as this part-time teacher uh, you know a junior school teacher who you know, is very lost in a, in a kind of, in her world and in her life. And then to kind of have this kind of, this together or seemingly together rock star appear who the last time she saw him was in the kind of pages of Hello magazine where he's kind of living this rarefied life of yachts and, you know, being papped and supermodel girlfriends. And so to kind of have those two worlds come together, that's the sort of thing that really appealed to me because a, a lot of my books are about about ordinary people and extraordinary circumstances. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I really wanted to, so it was kind of, he Helen is my kind of grounded character and and Ben is the kind of the, is the kind of more unusual thing and bringing those two worlds together just means that there's gonna be a lot of drama, a lot of action, a lot of, a lot of, discussing stuff um, and the other inspiration for Ben was um, and it's a quote uh, that um, you might have seen so in the proof for those mm -hmm. of you who don't know proof is like a, an advanced copy and I wrote a little letter in there and um, there was a quote from Jim Carrey yeah. talking about mm. the nature of celebrity and uh, he um, I, I'm ad-libbing because I can't really remember it but he says something along the lines of um, I wish everybody could experience celebrity so that they could realize um, that it's not the answer to everything or something along those lines. And I suppose that's another part of the book is, is kind of looking at, you know, because everybody reads, you know, one of the things I like about that quote is everybody reads it and then they all, they're the first reaction to go, oh yeah, well, he would say that because he's, you know, <laughs> he's a gazillionaire. Um, and you kind of just think, you know, if you just think about it, you kind of think, well, is it really that simple? If, if being 
famous, if being uh, a celebrity, if having all of your wants and needs kind of catered to is the answer to everything. Why do we see so many celebrities going into rehab? Yes. You know, why do we get so many um, trouble celebrities kind of committing suicide? It's not that straightforward. You know, we, we all want to believe that it's straightforward, but it's not, it, it, you know, evidence tells us, the evidence of life tells us that it's not that straightforward. Absolutely. It's it's quite, the reality is always a little bit less glamorous, isn't it? Mm. Um, I want to take us back a little bit, though, to talk more about Helen, because I think she's a character that many readers will identify with. She is really the linchpin of her family. She, she's everything to everybody and she holds all the family together, sort of the unsung hero, if you like. Um, yeah. But what I think you explore so movingly through Helen is this theme of women's sexuality and aging. And there's a moment in the book where Helen says something along the lines of, and I'll probably say this wrong, but, you know, why would someone like Ben being this international singer and God be interested in somebody like me I'm just a mum from Manchester which is so on the nose and so demoralizing as it's a train of thought that I think well it's a message that women are told yeah consciously and subconsciously through media and through every platform that you're valued when you're young and you're valued when you're beautiful and when you reach the age of sort of 35 40 and onwards you become invisible so Really, your novel is turning on its head what it's, you know, what we're told about giving worth and value to women. Yeah. Um, what was the thought process behind that? And was that something that you set out to achieve from from the off? It, 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 it was exactly that. Uh, you know, uh, Helen gets rejected by um, a husband who chooses somebody younger. And when Ben, uh, you know, and you know, without giving too much away, you, when Ben, the way that Ben sees her isn't the way that she sees herself and it isn't the way that her family sees her. So her, her, yeah. her husband kind of sees her as this kind of, I suppose, this kind of drudge that he's kind of left behind uh, for something more glamorous. And uh, her kids see her as just mum and, you know, and yeah. are completely kind of baffled <laughs> by the idea that she had any sort of life before then. <laughs> And so when Ben kind of comes into her life, he he kind of gives her a sense of legitimacy that that she, even she finds hard to accept. And so, you know, he, you know, when they, when the kids find out that their mum used to go out with Ben from Blue Light, it, it's just like they just can't compute it yeah. because, you know, it's my, you know, that's my mum. She buys the trains. <laughs> she- from Tesco um her life started she, when I was born yeah her life started when I was born so so how on earth could she possibly be have have ever been let alone be you know be in the future how, how could she possibly have ever been with this with this rock god and you know so you you kind of it's it's kind of she's kind of it kind of tackles everybody's assumptions about middle-aged women mm-hmm. but also Helen's own assumptions but I think also we're also looking at the assumptions of of Ben as well you know so mm-hmm. the assumption is that uh 
he could only want and he can only be attracted to somebody who is young, who is glamorous, who is all these things. And and, and I guess from from the past, you might be kind of, you know, obviously he's been married to a celebrity and, you know, he's gone out with lots of celebrities. So mm. it kind of, you know, it's kind of an assumption that you could easily make. But at the same time, you know, we're we're all a lot deeper than we think. You know, we're a lot deeper than we think we are. And, and I think it's somebody like that in that position can actually see beyond the surface. And so, you know, Ben has in his life, he, he has tried the celebrity life and, um, you know, he finds it, I'm not giving away too much, he finds it wanting. Mm-hmm. And so when he sees Helen, he sees, he sees somebody who he grew up with, somebody who he feels uh, a really strong connection with. And so, you know, and, and somebody who he finds, you know, he, he, he does ultimately find attractive. And so it's, I suppose it's just just reminding you that, that you know, we're not, you know, it's not always about being shallow. You know, people fall in love with people's personalities. People fall in love with, with people for how they look even even though they're over 35, you know, it, you know, all of these things are possible. Um, and I suppose that's really what I wanted to kind of look at. Yeah. What I really love about Helen is that although she's like, oh my God, like I look like rubbish, I need to go and sort myself out. She's never really phased. She's not starstruck by him at all. She just treats him as a normal guy. And she was like, even when her children are like, oh my God, Ben. And she's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I used to go out with him. Like I really loved how level-headed she remained I thought that was a really cool trait about I mean I think Helen's cool all around <laughs> well well it's interesting because it, it's it's that thing of knowing somebody before they were famous and, yeah. and mm. so if you know somebody before they're famous they're just you know she she knows she meets Ben when she's uh, kind of 17 and they go out until she's like 18 19 and so the Ben that she knows and she and actually she 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 actually knows him since she, she, they were five actually because yeah. they go to school together so the Ben that she knows is just you know it, yes he's a celebrity but she he's also his other person and I suppose it's another you know that's another aspect of celebrity that I'm kind of looking at in the book is that you know we put celebrities in this box and imagining that they were always celebrities yeah kind of forgetting that actually you know they were for a very long time, um, mostly very ordinary people living very ordinary lives. And, you know, in a lot of ways, they are still that person, but just transplanted to a different sort of situation. Yeah, you you do find the magic in the ordinary. You do it very well, um, because there is, there is magic to be found. Um, and I guess, like, especially with Ben, and in this sort of yeah. age of where anyone can go viral on TikTok and or maybe make loads of money. It's very unclear how much people actually make, uh, but at least be well known and famous. Um, like, how was writing Ben, knowing that actually he's had fame for like a really long time, and yeah. he, or at least to me, came across as he hasn't been bogged down by the latest trends with fame or anything. Was that important to you to include? So with, with Ben, I, I I kind of so he he's in a in a crisis of of some description um mm. which will become sort of evident and i wanted somebody who i think that i think the thing about fame is that um i suppose he is there are lots of reasons why people want to be famous um some some people are just talented and it, it just comes um but some i i often think that they you know that there's a drive 
that they're that the somehow that people think that if I do X, it will mean Y. This mm-hmm. will happen. Yeah. You know, whether I'll be I'll be loved, I'll be accepted, I'll this will just happen. And you know, Ben Benny's talented and um, you know, he wants, you know, when he moves to London to form his, his kind of start his career and start a start a band, you know, I suppose he is just hoping for the best and hoping to see what happens and then it suddenly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I suppose within that, within all of that success, you kind of I think a lot of way the way that people deal with success is always to kind of go, okay, we've you know, we've achieved this, but you know, where's the next goal? And we're always looking for the yeah. next goal. And so for Ben, having been famous for a long time, he's actually worked his way through a lot of goals. Mm. You know, he's been uh, you know, he's had multi-platinum uh, albums. He's uh, he and his band anyway. Uh, he's married um, a Hollywood actress uh, and divorced. Um, he's had this huge selling um, uh, tour, and so, and yet there is still something missing. Mm. And I suppose again, it, it's it's kind of taking a look at, um, you know he's he's had a chance to kind of get used to that life and at the same time has realized that it's it's not all it's cracked out to be and I suppose you know in him in returning to Manchester there's, there's a sense of kind of of kind of returning to the beginning and and returning to your roots and trying to find you know if you if the meaning wasn't out there then having traveled all the way mm. out there you kind of come back and you think well perhaps the the meaning was was right here where I left and I suppose that's what he's trying to do he's trying to explore the meaning in its greater sense or yeah. looser sense or whatever yeah. I love that and I hope young people read 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 this book and, and take away that message from it um Mike I actually have a bone to pick with you which I can't do oh, because right, okay. it's because this is spoiler free <laughs> Uh, but let's just say I was having a lovely old time reading this book and I forgot I was reading a Mike Gale book and that there were going to be plot twists coming (laughs) (laughs) so what I'm going to ask you instead is a bit of a silly question I'm dying to know so um in when Ben and Helen uh hide out in Cornwall and firstly oh my god I was reading that in the garden while it was sunny and I was so nostalgic for like my last trip to Cornwall <laughs> you wrote it so beautifully I was like I can yeah. really do with waking up on the beach right now yeah um but my question is did you have a celebrity in mind whose house they were staying at because it's never mentioned <laughs> she was lying think- when she loved <laughs> celeb gossip they hint yeah, it maybe it's like Elton John's house and I was like I need to know if actually he pictured someone whose house this was I'm not going to say whose house, but um, I did pick someone, and uh, (laughs) and I suppose it's just again, it's it's that thing of it's such a different world, and I I suppose you know again seeing the you know it's interesting for for Ben because he's been a celebrity for so long that he's kind of grown you know he's grown he's grown used to the kind of trappings of celebrity, and so when he when they when he takes them to Cornwall, he gets to see it through their eyes. And mm. so, you know, he, he he takes a great deal of delight in kind of just seeing how amazed they are at seeing this, this place. So, yeah, I, I, I did. I, I had to Google uh, a number of houses. And, um, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I, I'm, it's not one specific person, but um, <laughs> I, I did have somebody in mind. Definitely. Did you wrangle a free trip there to write about it? By any oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it was more a look, a matter of uh, looking on right move for the, mm. the most expensive <laughs> house in Cornwall I could find. Well, I want to visit there. It sounds absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about maybe parenting for a little bit. Um, oh, right. Okay. Well, or just the children, really. It's, yeah. it's, um, he- uh, yeah the children within the book I can't help but notice you're sat in a pink room right now (laughs) and were the children of the book inspired in any way shape or form because they were so realistic the way that you described (laughs) Frankie sat in his room surrounded by dirty plates and cutlery and playing anime like it was so vivid what what's in what's what's inspired the, the children um, well, of the novel. I, um, I'm a girl dad, um, hence my, uh, so for those of you who don't know, um, my office uh, used to be my youngest daughter's bedroom. And um, from the age of about, maybe about one to about three, and then we had a change about in the, uh, in the house. And so uh, my office became her bedroom and she moved to another bedroom. Um, but I never got round to painting the walls, hence I have cerise pink walls. And I completely forget about it until someone <laughs> reminds me. And then I just think, I've really got to do something about these no, walls. No, I love um, it. It's actually got a bit of a kind of a, a glitter shimmer to it as well, which is oh, even, even better. better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I, I will sort it out. But people so rarely come in here, but... Um, yeah, but it's where the magic happens. Um, mm. <laughs> yes, this is definitely where the magic happens. <laughs> but with the with the kids, I suppose. I, so my kids are are, are twenty and uh, sixteen. So, uh, but they're they're actually they're actually quite um, they're actually quite they're actually quite they they kind of clear up after themselves. But I've got mates who have got kids who are very much like um, like Frankie in the book, and uh, so you know it, it was quite easy to kind of just kind of you know pick a few bits of realistic um uh of things you know because they're, they're they're all about you know kids when they're teenagers they just don't they just don't think so it's yeah, yeah you know i'm hungry i'll grab some yeah. i'll take a, an entire bottle of milk then i'll take it up to my bedroom but i won't put it back and then it will i'll let it sit there and turn into cheese <laughs> and then you know um you know so it, it all just it yeah yeah you know i've they- got they do go on such a a character they do go on a journey of themselves don't they within the book and that really came across towards some of the closing scenes I think of just it was really believable that they'd gone they they really grew as characters and they as you were saying sort of saw their mum as a person and not just somebody who entire existence is to answer their back and call (laughs) and see her as a human being and actually it's through that realization that they sort of make their you know it's some internal reflections and sort of grow uh, throughout the novel as well which I just thought was really moving thank you thank you yeah again I suppose it was just one of those things I really wanted was was the kind of change of perspective from who they are at the beginning to who they are at the end, yeah. and and like you say, seeing seeing Helen for 
Helen as an actual person. And and I suppose, it, you know, but it's also, I suppose, you know, and we haven't, I suppose we haven't touched on this really. It's a, it's about um, how a a divorce, how a separation affects not not just the kind of the two people at the very centre of it, but yes. the, the the kind of the, the the greater family or the wider family within that. And so, you know, they're they're both going through their own things because, you know, you you take a great deal as a kid, you take a great deal of security from your your family just being your family yeah. and you want to take them for granted and so actually when you if you when you know when you discover that there's a possibility that you can't take them for granted anymore that you you know it, it's almost like having the ground beneath your feet taken away and so they both are reacting to their parents divorcing yeah. in very different ways but mm. ways that that kind of kind of come out through the through the novel yeah, and as Lauren say, like every character is <coughs> so believable and all the relationships and everything. Oh, thank you. Um, I'd love to pivot us now to an, another one of your books that has a wonderful mother-child relationship. Um, and it's actually the first book that both of us read of yours. Definitely not your first right. book, though. And that's <laughs> Half a World Away. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like that book was everywhere when it, it was published first in 2019 and then paperback 2020, just before the Perfect, pandemic. Yeah. Um, is that one of your best-selling books? Because it seems like it must be. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it was, it was everywhere, and and I guess it was just people really responded to the character of Kerry, um, and she again she goes on such a such a journey, and the you know I suppose the key thing also then it was just the emotion. Um, it feels real, and she goes through a, a great deal, but there's so 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 much love there for her between her and her son um and yeah. it was yeah I think people really responded to that and um you know so it, it was it was a real play again it was one of those ones it was a real pleasure to write because I remember I remember I knew that it was going to be a really special book when because I, I, I I'm a planner and I, I wrote an outline and I sent it to my agent and editor and uh they shared it around and they, they they said that, you know, even with a, a simple synopsis, people were getting quite emotional about it because, mm. and so, so that's when I kind of knew, you know, if you can make people cry with, with a with a 30 page synopsis, then, um, you know, how is it going to be when you, when you actually write a book? Yeah. And I, I think it's just, you know, she's a really beautiful character and mm. you really get a sense of how much she loves her son and how much he means to her but also how much she loves her brother and um you know and so those two those two things kind of coming together it it just there's such a deep pool of emotion that's been explored throughout the book that um it's it's almost impossible not to be affected by it you're so right I don't I very rarely cry at books but it's one of the very few I have cried at. <laughs> and I actually vividly remember reading it because I, I got it on my Kindle. And I remember staying up really late, which is a big deal for me because I go to I'm such an early bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> and I just have to finish the book. And now it was yeah. through actual sobs. Um, but I realised we're talking a lot about this book. But for listeners who don't know, aren't familiar with the plot, are you able to just quickly share the plot of Half a World Away? Yeah, so half all the way is is about um, it's about Kerry, who is a single mum and she's a cleaner, 
and she um she as she was taken into care as a as a young child and uh she had to and uh, she her younger sibling um got adopted and um she didn't get adopted so she went through the care system but she never forgot her her brother and so at the very beginning of the book she um decides through for various for various reasons to finally make contact with her brother and so she search she's she searches for him and finds him and makes contact with him and so it's essentially about her and her relationship with her brother although there's a lot more to it than that i did love that the synopsis for that book really tells such a small portion of the story and, and, and yes. as it should like I don't want anyone to know anything else that happens I mean it's it's a it's, it's a funny one because um I think we live in a world and, and I'd, I'd be interested to know how you kind of feel about it because obviously you, you read loads um but I feel like a lot of books you know exactly what you're getting mm. You know, the, it's almost like film trailers these days. You, you know, yeah. they're, they're almost you. You see the entire film, so you're in no doubt at all what you're getting. But I think what you what you lose from that is that sense of discovering stuff and just you know, I, I loved it when you you sort of said you know, you there there are some authors where you you don't even look to see what the book's about. You just want to read it, and I just think you know that's the way all books should be really enjoyed mm. because that way you're you you're responding to the text in the way that exactly. the author really wanted you know you haven't been given these hints about what's going to go on and where it's going and so you know you are taken on this journey and it's the and it's the kind of purest form of this journey because you you are learning stuff at the pace that the author wanted you yeah. to find and so when things happen you're you're responding to them in a way that you might not have responded to them had you had this really detailed synopsis that kind of gave away half the book um so I you know I, I I just think it's really important yeah and you do it very well like I said when you swept the rug out from under me in this book um it's, it's but it's perfect and that's why I love it and you. you're not just reading it how the author wants you to but you're kind of like living it with the characters in real time. exactly that's yeah. it yeah yeah you know um, there's nothing there's nothing quite like you know just reading it and just being there present. with them experiencing what they're experiencing because that's where you get the real it's the you know when you're really locked into a character it's like the equivalent of sort of you know putting on that seat belt when you're on a roller coaster and not being able to take it off until you're at the end of the ride it's just like oh yeah. <laughs> that's such a good analogy um so yeah we can't say much more about half world right but i miss <laughs> kerry a lot when actually when you just said that your the pink walls have a bit of a shimmer i thought of kerry yeah. and how she loves yes, sparkles yes. <laughs> like i mean all your characters leave a place in my heart i mean the whole cast of all the lonely people are firmly okay. in there forever um i mean you've got quite the backlist of books with um your first being published in 1997 and so I wanted to chat a little bit about that and the yeah. trends you've seen over the years and like whether maybe it's easier to get published today or was it, say, a decade ago? Oh, that's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, I suppose, I mean, when I wrote My Legendary Girlfriend, um, so I was, I was, let me see. So I started writing it when um, I first moved to London. So I'd moved to London to um, do a journalism course. Um, uh, postgraduate journalism course 
and so I had a lot of time on my hands and I, I was you know I just thought to myself yeah why not write a, a novel I, I loved reading books and so and I wanted to write um, I was very conscious of wanting to write something that felt real and true to kind of my experience and the experience of my friends and so you know I, I'd read a lot of you know all the books I kind of read seemed to be the kind of glamorous side of London, you know, Oxford graduates, and they, they get these amazing jobs and they do these amazing things and all the rest of it. And I wanted to write about uh, something different, something that, that you know, so we, we get Will, who is a teacher, and he is, he basically just can't get over his ex-girlfriend, even though it's been three years since they split up. Uh, and um, the book is set across three days. So, um, you know, that was one of the, the other things that I really was really interested in was just kind of having this kind of really quite a narrow timeline mm. where you're looking at events that happened kind of many years ago. Well, a number of years ago, but also you're in this presence and, and it's quite intense. And um, I, I read it, re I reread it recently um, during um during lockdown because i did a series of um, facebook lives and i was revisiting each one of my books and one of the things that really struck me was just how it is such a it, it's such a 90s novel uh, in a very specific way because you know will um you know there, there's no vaping you know <laughs> will is very much a smoker um there's no internet um he hasn't even got a mobile phone. He has to use Gosh, a landline. I hadn't line. even thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's gone in the space of, you know, 25 years. It, it's, it, it's gone from being a really contemporary piece to being a period piece. Um, you know, and... What's Will doing now? That's what I want to know. <laughs> 25 years later, what's he doing? <laughs> Is he vaping? <laughs> like <to> <laughs> I like to think that Will sorted himself out. I... I, I um, you know, it, it's funny because um, people always ask me about um, about sequels because I suppose mm. the thing is, if you enjoy something, you always want more of it. But I'm always, I always have a little bit of, um, I'm always reticent to kind of do a sequel because I always feel like my job as an author is to take my characters um, from a point of crisis and where they and take them through that way and help them to sort out their lives in some way. Uh, often it gets worse before it gets better, but I, I always like to leave them in a better place than where I found them. And so because of the the stuff I put them through, I kind of always feel like, right, you've had enough now. Yeah. Um, right, you can go away now and have your happy ending. You've, you've <laughs> learned a lot. And yeah. that will that will be enough to kind of get me there. So for Will, I, I really do like to believe, you know, it would make me sad to think that um, things didn't work out for him. So I like to believe that he's happy. You know, he worked out his stuff yeah. and he, he got to a better place. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was a very, a very kind of um, a very 90s book. What Was it easy to get published? It, it was, um, it was strangely, um, so I didn't know anything about publishing and I remember, um, so I just wrote this book that I wanted to write um, and I, I wanted it to be kind of true to to my experiences and the experiences of my, my, my sort of friends and 
I sent it out to uh, three agents and I got two rejections and then I got from one person who was interested in in it and they gave me some notes uh, saying you know I could I could write but they felt like there was there were a few things that weren't working and so I took a look at the things they said weren't working and I rewrote it and then sent it back to them and they loved it and I think it just happened to be the right thing at the right time I think maybe two years earlier it would have been too early and two years later it would have been um it would have been too late you know it would have just been you know another me you know joining a crowd of books about relationships but as it was you know there was kind of Bridget Jones had been Nick Hornby but there hadn't been anything about someone in their in a kind of 20s you know both of those characters in those in high fidelity and, and Bridget Jones were were slightly were, were older in their kind of 30s and and, you know, I suppose Will was very much, my literary girlfriend was very much the kind of post-university first job, first mm-hmm. flats, moving to the capital sort of book. And um, it just happened to be the right thing at the right time. And they loved it. And, um, you know, but I, I've seen across 25 years, I, I, I think things have got a lot more difficult. Um, you know, when I, when I first got published, it, it felt like, Barely a week went by without some some new writer appearing on the scene with great teeth and great hair and um, under thirty. Um, and I think that that has kind of shrunk over time. And so we kind of get maybe one or two of these uh, these kind of kind of really big kind of young authors. Um, you know, every now and again. So it, it it's not quite the same as it used to be. Gosh, 25 years is since your debut is it just incredible. A huge congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very um, much. Thank you. I did see that Hodder had signed two new books with you as part of this deal. Yeah. Can I be cheeky and ask if you have plans for the next one? And if so, are you able to share anything? I, I do. Um, and I am probably... Well, probably I'm, I'm working on a second draft of, of the of the new book that's hopefully scheduled for next summer um i i, I may I, i've got a rule I, I i i find it really difficult to talk about books um uh, working uh, my work in progress and i always um because i feel like if i tell you the plot um the only the only suitable reaction is to sort of say Mike, that is amazing. That has got to be the best. It's it's going to change everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. Um, and unless you give me that, I'm going to be massively disappointed. So I, <laughs> I learned the hard way that actually, do you know what? Um, I'm going to finish it. I'm going Good. to work out what it is for myself. And then um, hopefully this time next year, I'll be able to kind of talk to you about it. But it, it's, you know, it, it's, a, you know, it, it's, when you're working on something um, that's not quite finished yet or not quite where you want it to be, you know, you're very, very, very precious about it. You know, it, it's like, you know, I described it to someone um, recently is, you know, it's, it's like having a, a brand new baby. And, um, you know, uh, if someone, uh, you know, the only response yeah. to a brand new baby is it's gorgeous. You can't go, oh, 
it's all right. <laughs> not, not unless you want to punch in the face. You know, it, it, it's, you know, my baby is gorgeous. There is no other reaction. Uh, so you've, you've got to say it's gorgeous. So um, I'll save you that hassle and say, <laughs> I'll show you my baby in a year's time. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to say is that, and this is where my brain goes, that if I told oh, someone right. like a rough plot of something I was writing, I'd be like, well, I told that one person, I cannot change it. Like if maybe my <laughs> writing took me in another way, I'd be like, no, this is the plot that I promised. <laughs> you, you make a good point because, you know, you, you, um, you know, you, that there, there was so many, there are so many changes that can happen to a book, um, especially at this stage where you, you kind of, um, you've got a lot of it kind of assembled but you, there is still a, a distance to go. And so, you know, it could be, you wake yeah. up, I might, you know, I might wake up tomorrow and change it from the first person to the second person, or I might- Like whacking another to, twist. Or, that we or just whacking didn't another see twist. <laughs> you know, so you, you've, you've always, you've got to be a little bit, a little bit flexible, a little bit jazz about it, because, you know, until you send it off to, you know, even, until it's been sent off to the printers, there's always a kind of chance that, um, you know, things could change. Yeah. Um, well, do you know what? I was just being greedy anyway. So I'm just, <laughs> like, it's brilliant. I, I can wait another year. <laughs> yeah, I willingly wait. Um, we will we'll finish up. We've taken up a lot of your time, but we will leave with a question that we ask everyone that comes on our podcast, which is if they can give a book reco for our listeners um, so this oh. can be like an all-time favourite recommendation or it could be a new one. It can literally be whatever you want. All right. You've got a lot right, of choice right. behind you. <laughs> now I'm going to... Oh, right. So let me... Right. It's, it's, this is a book that... Um, and I, I found it actually good. Uh, so it's a book that I read. I bought... Um, and there's something lovely about uh, just wandering around in bookshops and discovering things for yourself. And so no one recommended this book to me. I just saw it in a bookshop in 2001. And uh, I just read, I just thought, oh, this sounds interesting because it was, we were talking earlier about um, my love of the ordinary. And um, I love, I love books that are, that make me, you know, because my life's quite ordinary. I'm not doing anything glamorous. And, and so I kind of, but I feel like it's important. <laughs> um so mm -hmm. you kind of you know so I I feel like so much of so much of real life so much of ordinary life just gets written off almost mm. as being boring um mm. and I think actually there is drama in this thing there is drama in my own life it, but it, it's not the kind of drama of explosions and helicopters but it's the the kind of smaller quieter dramas and so this book is called um, Naive Super by, um, I think it's, uh, uh, he's a Norwegian uh, author called Erland Lowe. And it, this is his debut. And um, we're a similar sort of age. And it, it's, again, I suppose it, a little bit similar to Manager Girlfriend. It's a book about somebody who has quit university uh, and is trying, travels to New York and is trying to find, trying to work out what they're going to do next. And it's a really quiet novel, but it's a really lovely novel. And it, I suppose it just reminded me of, um, it reminded me a lot of my literary girlfriend. It reminded me a lot of the uncertainty of 
that's kind of starting out as your adult life kind of post university um so yeah that's it it's called naive super and it's by Erland Lowe and it was published by Canongate I'm not even sure it's still in in in, um, in print but uh, you can buy the copy I Fantastic. definitely re recommend that yeah. I will pop it in the show notes thank you very much yeah Thank you so much, Mike, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and getting some behind the scenes of books <laughs> that have been living in our head rent-free for a very long time now. Um, so uh, your next book comes out on the 6th of July, but as we've established, you've got a huge backlist that readers can digest. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real joy. Thank you. with your reading buddies that they might like to listen to and if you don't already then follow us on instagram at book records for funnily enough more book recommendations see you next week we'll be here